Well, good morning, and I want to talk to you today about baptism. Now, that's one of those subjects that normally gets mentioned as a small part of a sermon every now and then, but today I want us to spend the whole time thinking about what the Bible says about baptism. And I want to say at the beginning that I am so very grateful that we have people coming to our church from Catholic backgrounds, Lutheran backgrounds, Methodist, other denominations, no denominations. And in some of your backgrounds, you viewed baptism a little bit differently than what I'm going to be teaching today. Now, I want to just say this at the very beginning. If I were you, and if I'm coming here from a Catholic church and the minister gets up and says, today I'm going to talk to you about baptism, I would be thinking, oh great, I'm going to get a 30-minute lecture on Baptist doctrine. And I want to say today that that's not what's about to happen. And, and with all respect, I'm not interested in Baptist doctrine. I'm not interested in Methodist or Catholic doctrine. I'm not interested in Episcopalian doctrine. I'm interested in Bible doctrine. And so today, we're going to be thinking about what the Bible says about baptism. And I'll get into some of the different denominations as we go through. But I'm praying that this sermon today will be a blessing for those of you who have already been saved and you've been baptized. Maybe I'll say something today that will help you as you minister and witness to others. For those of you here today, maybe you've been saved, but for whatever reason, you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I pray that that you won't hear this sermon as a Baptist speaking to a Catholic or a Methodist, but you will hear this today as a clear teaching from the Word of God. That's certainly my prayer. So, let's open our Bibles today to Matthew chapter number 3, and we're going to begin by, oh good, the students are still excited from last week, we're glad about that, but in Matthew chapter 3, we read about Jesus' baptism, and so let's just begin there and see what we can learn. Matthew chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, that is to John the Baptist, to be to the, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus, at 30 years of age, began his public ministry by being baptized. Now, let's go to the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, because we see something very interesting here. And that is, he ended his ministry by talking about baptism. In Matthew 28, we read, of course, the Great Commission. These are some of the last words Jesus spoke before returning to heaven. And it says in verse 18 that Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
And so, in some of his last words, Jesus is stressing the importance of baptism. Now, use your mind for a moment. If Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, was baptized, and at the end of his ministry, he's teaching about baptism, that says to us that baptism is very, very important. So, you see in your bulletin today several questions that I have listed out, and I think this will be a fairly good structure for us to try to develop this thought process on baptism. And the first question is, why was Jesus baptized? His baptism was unlike our baptism. When we get baptized, it is because we have asked God to forgive us of all of our sins, and we have received Jesus as our Savior, and so we're up there in that water, and the minister is lowering us down and lifting us back up. But Jesus didn't get baptized because his sins had been forgiven, because Jesus didn't have any sins. So it seems like to me, Jesus might have just skipped baptism for himself, but he didn't. He was baptized, so the question is why, and here's the answer. In order to fulfill God's will... By identifying with sinners. In order to fulfill God's will by identifying with sinners. In other words, it was God's will for Jesus to be baptized. That's why Jesus said to John the Baptist, Please baptize me. It is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. It is the right thing for me to do. And so Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners. This was the first time... In his public ministry that Jesus was in essence saying to all the rest of us, I am identifying with you. Remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he became one of us. God became a human being. And so in his ministry, knowing that he would ultimately take our sins on himself, that he would die on the cross to pay for our sins, Jesus in his baptism was saying, I want to identify with you. I want to do what you will be asked to do by me, what I'm going to command you to do. I don't want to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I'm doing it to identify with you. Also, in Jesus' baptism, he was giving us a picture of his own death, burial, and resurrection. We read about this in Romans chapter 6. It talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it relates that to baptism. I used to love to hear, hear Roland Hill when he would do a baptism. All the years he was on the staff here, Roland many times, in fact, most all the time I ever saw him baptized, he would lower the person under the water, and he would say, you're buried with Christ in baptism, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. And so when Jesus was baptized, he was giving us a picture of his own death, his own burial, and his own resurrection. Now, if that's why Jesus was baptized, then why should we be baptized? Why did Jesus, in the Great Commission, tell his disciples, go out there, tell everybody how to get saved, and then baptize them? What is the big deal about being baptized? Well, notice what I've printed here for you in your outline. First of all, not to have our sins forgiven. Frequently, a person will say to me, John, I need to get up there and get baptized. I just want to, have my, I want to be clean. I want to have my sins forgiven. And I say to that person, listen, that's not what baptism is all about. Baptism doesn't wash your sins away. And yet I can understand how somebody might think it does. When we're home, we get dirty, we take a shower, we take a bath, and we get clean. 
We come to church, we see people up there in the baptistry, and they've got this white robe on, and we think, okay, they're getting baptized because that must be holy water up there, and that holy water is making this person clean. Friend, I want to assure you, that is not holy water. That is city water, okay? And it's not holy, okay? But that's not, you don't get baptized to get your sins washed away. The only thing that can wash our sins away is the blood of Jesus. You believe that? Say amen. It says in the Bible, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So you don't get baptized to get clean or to have your sins forgiven. I'll tell you something else. You don't get baptized to appease a church or a denomination. Now, if I were a Catholic or a Methodist or a Lutheran listening to this sermon, I would like that statement. Because I think a lot of people from different denominations come to a Baptist church and they see other people getting baptized or maybe they talk to somebody about joining the church and what they hear back from us is, well, if you want to be a part of us, you've got to be baptized. And so what that says to them is, okay, I need to be baptized so I can be a part of the Baptist church. There's nothing in the Bible that says we should get baptized for that reason, to appease a church or certain not, there were no denominations back in Bible times, so it wouldn't be to appease a denomination. Think about this. If you got baptized because you thought, well, now that I'm coming to the Baptist church, I need to get baptized. After you go down in that water and come back up, the only satisfaction you would have, you would say to yourself, well, I hope the church is happy. I hope I've done what, you know, I hope I've pleased the Baptist. And there's nothing in the Bible that says we should be baptized to appease a church. That is not the reason. If you choose to be baptized, I want you to come up out of that water and say, I, I didn't do this to please the church. I did this to please the Lord. And that's a much higher motive for doing something. Now, why should we be baptized? Notice the third thing we printed there. In order to be obedient to Christ's command. Jesus has commanded us to be baptized. He said that in the, in the Great Commission. And there's other, there are other places in the New Testament where we are clearly commanded that we are to be baptized. So baptism is just something we do because God has told us to do it. It's a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of salvation, but it is a matter of obedience. And I would not want to one day stand before God in heaven, and I want to just say at the beginning that you can go to heaven without being baptized. Being baptized is not going to be what takes you to heaven. The blood of Jesus takes you there. But I would not want to stand before God one day in heaven unbaptized because in essence what I would be saying to God is, I know you commanded me to be baptized. I know it was a big deal for me to be baptized, Jesus. I know you were baptized in the Great Commission. You said that I should be baptized. I chose not to do it. And so because it had nothing to do with salvation, because I think Jesus would say to a person in that situation, you're right, it had nothing to do with salvation. You're saved, and you're going to spend forever in heaven. But you're not going to ever have an opportunity to obey me at the point of baptism like you had on earth because there's no baptism service in heaven. And so it is purely a matter of obedience. And then another reason we get baptized is in order to publicly identify with Jesus. With his death, with his burial, and with his resurrection. So when a person is baptized, they're up there in their white robe. Just like we saw earlier in the service. So what is that person saying? That person is saying, just like my robe is clean and pure and white. 
Jesus has made my heart that way. Just like Jesus died on that cross, he was buried, and he came back to life again, I want to do the same thing. I want to be identified with Jesus. I want to be baptized, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in new way of life. And so it is in order to publicly identify with Jesus. Now it's interesting. When the Bible scholars were translating the New Testament, and they came to the Greek word for baptize, which by the way is baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, baptizo, they chose not to translate that word into English. Back in 1611, uh, the king of England commissioned a group of scholars to translate the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into the English language. And so these scholars, they translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to English. They got to the New Testament. They were translating the New Testament from Greek into English. But they came to this word baptizo and they had a problem. They thought, now everybody knows that the word baptizo means to immerse. Back in the Greek culture, that word, baptizo, was not a religious word at all. It was a common, ordinary word that was used, you know, just in everyday life. And it meant to immerse. It didn't mean to sprinkle. It meant to immerse. For example, if somebody was washing their dishes, this was before dishwashers were invented, and so they're washing their dishes in the sink, they would say, well, I'm just over here baptizing my dishes. That, that, would just have, that was the word they used. Now, if you ate with those people, you hope they weren't just sprinkling their dishes, right? You want to put those dishes under the water. And so the word baptizo, everybody knew it, that it meant to immerse. And so these scholars, these New Testament scholars, they came to baptizo and they, they said, we've got a problem. Because if we translate this word from Greek to English as immerse, we're going to get in trouble with the king of England who gave us the assignment of doing this Bible, because the king of England's church doesn't immerse, they sprinkle. And so they said, we can't say immerse the king. But they said, if we translate this word as to sprinkle, to appease the king, then all the scholars in the world are going to laugh us right out of town. And so they said, instead of translating this word, we will transliterate it. That just means they took the Greek letters and brought them into English. Baptizo, B A. P-T-I-Z-O. They said, let's just bring them in. B-A-P-T-I. And it became S-M, baptism. So the translators didn't translate the word. They just brought it from Greek into English. But the word literally means to immerse. And it's interesting. If you study the history of the church, you know that from New Testament times all the way to the 13th century. That's a long time. All the way to the 13th century Every group of Christians was immersing the new Christians. Uh, the Catholic Church, for example, we think, well, you know, when we think of Catholics, we think, well, the Catholics, they always sprinkle. Well, the Catholics have only been sprinkling since the 13th century. Up until that time, they were immersing their people under the water, just like we do in our church. But around the, in fact, if you go to Europe today and go to a, to a Catholic church, you'll find a baptistry pool very similar to the one we have here. But around the 13th century, they said, we're going to make the change, and we're going to make the change from immersion to sprinkling because sprinkling is just an easier way to do it. That was, that was the only reason they made the change, for the sake of convenience. And so, 
they started sprinkling instead of immersing. And let's face it, sometimes a person can't be immersed under the water. They just can't be for physical reasons. And, and, even, and that, up until the 13th century, the only people who were sprinkled were people who were bedridden, people who were maybe in wheelchairs, people who were sick. They just physically couldn't get under the water. And, and sometimes we have this happen in our church. In fact, one of the most special baptisms we had all of last year was for a man who had been watching our services on streaming. And his wife called me one day and said, John, would you come and and, and visit with my husband? She said, he wants to talk to you about God, salvation, baptism. And so Tom Gamble and I went to his house and visited with him. And as it turned out, he had already been saved before we went to his house. But he was in a wheelchair. He is in a wheelchair now and can't could not physically be baptized, but he said to me, he said, John, I want to be baptized, but I can't be baptized because I can't do it up there in that water. He said, is there any other way that I could be baptized? I said, absolutely there is. And so we had a special baptism for him one Wednesday night last fall during our service. They rolled him down to the front and I put some water on his head and he was baptized And it was beautiful. And I'll tell you this, in the eyes of God, that man is as baptized as if he would have been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Because he did what was in his heart. We had a lady two or three years ago call me one day. She said, John, I'm dying. I've gotten cancer. It's serious. I don't have much longer. She said, I know I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. And I wish I could turn back the clock and be baptized. When I, She said, I got saved as a teenager. I put it off and I've never gotten around to it. She said, is there any way in this world that I could be baptized? I said, absolutely there is. And I went to her house and I baptized her. I didn't put her in, her, in the bathtub or put her under the water. She couldn't handle that. I went to where she was. I put some water on her head. And I'm telling you, in the eyes of God, she was baptized. Why? Because she did all she could do. Think about the thief on the cross. When Jesus was dying and that repentant thief looked to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That man never was baptized, but he was saved. And he went to heaven. And that brings out a very important principle. God doesn't expect us to do what we can't do. You can apply that to any area of life. God doesn't expect you to do something that you can't do. And so that's why up until the 13th century, the only people who were sprinkled were people who were sick, and they couldn't do that. But around the 13th century, the change was made, and people, other denominations started sprinkling for that, for that reason. And so we have to understand that people are coming from, from different backgrounds. And I would say this, and again, I, I can't stress how wonderful it is that we have people coming here from different denominational backgrounds. And I want to just say today to those of you who are coming here from Catholic or Lutheran, we had a man come forward in the end of the first service. Several came forward. One man came to my dad, he and his wife, and he said to my dad, he said, Pastor, I've been Lutheran all my life. And he said, but I've never been immersed under the water. I've never been baptized by believer's baptism. Baptized as a baby, but have never been baptized since I got saved. And he said, I want to be baptized. And he said, the sermon today did not offend me. He said, I felt like that John was up there and he was being very compassionate. He was no way critical of any other denomination. And friend, you'll never hear me being critical of another denomination or something like that. If you're here today and you were baptized as a baby, you grew up in a church where they have infant baptism. This this, I get in this conversation all the time with people. 
They say, John, they get saved, and then I talk to them about baptism, and they say, well, now listen, I've already been baptized. I was baptized when I was a baby in the Catholic or in the Lutheran or whatever the denominational church was, and I don't need to be baptized again. And I am, I'm very sympathetic to that. Now, see, those of us who've grown up Baptist, and we don't have infant baptism. This is just no issue with us. But I always say to the person in that situation, I say, you know, in our church, now, we don't, we don't baptize babies. We don't, we don't do that. But we do have a dedication service for a baby. And I said, you know, in the church where your parents were growing up when you were born, what was probably in your parents' heart was, God, you've given us a baby, and we're thankful for our baby and so we want to dedicate our baby back to the Lord. I'm not trying to say infant baptism and baby dedications are the same thing. I'm saying I think probably what was in your parents' heart was in this world, the only way we can dedicate our baby is through this means. And so we dedicate our baby back to God. I said, if I were you, I say this all the time to people. I say, if I were you, I would view inf your infant baptism as your dedication to God. Your parents were dedicating you to God. I don't view infant baptism as baptism at all. Because in the New Testament, the only baptism there is, is believer's baptism. It's a baptism that takes place after you get saved. And so I would say to people today who were baptized as an infant, listen, your parents were dedicating you to God. And they were dedicating you to God the only way they could dedicate you in, the, in, in that particular church. And so that's what happened. But now that you've gotten older, you're making your own decisions for God. It is important for you to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Again, not to have your sins forgiven, not to be saved, not so you can go to heaven, but so that you can obey God and so that you can publicly identify with Jesus Christ. Those are the reasons that we should be baptized. Now, the next question is this. What is the prerequisite for baptism? Can just anybody be baptized? I mean, is there, are there any requirements? What is the prerequisite for baptism? And there is. Here it is. Personal repentance of sin and saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is the one Bible prerequisite for baptism. You have to have been saved by repenting of your sins and trusting Jesus Christ, receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you've done that, then you are ready to be baptized. You don't have to go through a class. You don't have to finish a book. You don't have to wait till you're a certain age. You don't have to wait six months or 12 months, you know, grace period or holding period. No, you just have to be saved. Now, turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 8. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about a man from Ethiopia who had traveled to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple. And he was a high-ranking official in Ethiopia. And as he was traveling back to Ethiopia, he had a copy of the Old Testament, which was the only Bible they had at that time. And he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And he didn't understand what he was reading. It was an Old Testament prophecy about the death of Jesus. But it didn't make sense to him. And so God sent one of his ministers, a man named Philip, to catch up with this Ethiopian in that chariot. And Philip said to him, do you understand what you're reading? Does the Bible make any sense to you? And the man said, I don't understand it at all. I don't think I ever will unless somebody explains it to me. And in Acts chapter 8, if you'll notice in verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. And so Philip is telling this man from Ethiopia about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the forgiveness of sins. He's explaining about baptism. 
And in verse 36, it says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so they're riding along in this chariot, and they're talking about being saved. And Philip undoubtedly has explained the importance of baptism. And this man looks out and sees a pool of water, and he says to Philip, Why can't I be baptized? There's water. And Philip says, You can be baptized, but there's a prerequisite. You have to believe. You have to be, be saved. You have to be converted first. And this Ethiopian said to Philip, I do believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's why when Josh baptized earlier, he said, upon your profession of faith. In other words, you have verbalized the faith that is in your heart. And so since you have confessed Christ that way, now you can be baptized. And that's the only prerequisite. So that leads to this question. When should a person be baptized? If a person says, okay, I have prayed. I've repented of my sins. I've asked Jesus to save me. I'm trusting him to do it. When should we do it? Do you wait till you're 12? Is there, there's nothing in the Bible that says you get baptized at 12. Uh, do you wait till you're an adult? Do you know? When do you do it? Here's the answer to that. As soon as possible after a genuine salvation experience. As soon as possible after a genuine uh, salvation experience. So if you've truly been saved, there's no reason to wait. Now I would say to these students, because I know several of you got saved during breaking free. Since you are under your parents' authority, as soon as possible at your age would include your parents' consent. Your parents blessing that. Your parents, when I was youth minister, we would have kids sometime that would get saved. They're 13, 14, 15 years old. And they would say to me, John, I've been saved. I want to get baptized. And my parents won't let me get baptized. But I want to get baptized behind my parents' back. And I said, well, I'm not going to baptize you behind your parents' back. Because you are supposed to be submissive to them while you are under their authority. And you're under their authority until you, I would say, till you graduate from high school. Now, somebody could say, well, I think they're under my authority. The parents probably would say, well, they're under my authority till I quit paying their bills. But uh, that age just seems to be going higher and higher. So I would probably say, I would probably say, after you graduate from high school, uh, I wouldn't have any problem baptizing somebody who had graduated from high school. Because I, at that point, I would view this person as old enough to make their own decision. But if somebody's 15 years old saying... I want to get baptized. My parents won't let me. Let's go ahead and do it anyway. Well, you need to find somebody else to baptize you because I don't, I don't believe that would be, I don't think that would be in the spirit of God when you're still considered a child. After you get out of high school, you start making your own decisions, then that'd be a different story. But as soon as possible, after genuine salvation, all you need to do is get saved and then you can be baptized. Now, you're in Acts 8. Go to Acts chapter 16. Another great story about baptism. Here's a man in Philippi and he he worked in a jail. He was a guard at a jail. He was a jailer. And Paul and Silas got thrown into his jail one night. And through a series of events, this jailer came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he needed to get right with God. He saw the peace that Paul and Silas had. And he knew he didn't have that peace. And in verse number 30, Acts 16, verse 30, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, he's saying to Paul and Silas, you guys have something I don't have. 
What must I do to be saved? And in verse 31, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. There's no mention of baptism there. Let me say this. There are some churches that teach. They teach immersion. So they're good on that part. But they teach that immersion is necessary for salvation. That baptism is part of the salvation experience. Friend, that's not true. The Bible does not teach that baptism is part of your salvation experience. Baptism is subsequent to your salvation experience. And the dangerous thing about that teaching is, if a person got baptized and now they're trusting their baptism as part of their salvation, you have to ask this question, what is that person trusting to get them into heaven? Even though they've been immersed, if their faith is in the baptism instead of in Jesus, they may have been immersed, but there's a serious issue there. Their faith's in the wrong thing. So I want to make this point very clear. Salvation and baptism are two different events. So in verse 31, Paul told this man how to be saved. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then when he said, you and your household, he wasn't saying, if you believe, your whole house will get saved. He was saying, and that's how your household gets saved too. They have to believe individually by themselves. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So see, now Paul's preaching the gospel to the whole family. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So they got saved. And then they got baptized. And so the question is, when should I get baptized? As soon as you can, after you have been saved. Now, we're going to put something on the screen today that we use anytime we talk to a child about becoming a Christian and about following Jesus in baptism. You can use this with an adult. Sometimes I do. But it is really good with a child. I learned this from my dad many years ago. He learned, learned it from another pastor back in the 1970s. So I don't know who came up with this originally. But it is a fantastic way to explain salvation and baptism to a child. Now you notice there's a baseball field. First base, second base, third base, home plate. What I like about this, it puts everything in order. And what I always say to a child is, now if, we're, if you're playing in a baseball game and you hit the ball into the outfield, where are you going to run to first? And that child will say, first base, I'm going to first base. And I say to that child, in the Christian life, it's the same way. You have to go to first base first. That's why it's called first. And the Christian life, first base, is becoming a Christian. That's what Paul was saying to that jailer. You have to believe. You have to be saved. Okay? After first base, where do we go? We go to second base. And in the Christian life, second base is baptism. Now, I always say to a child, now notice that baptism comes after becoming a Christian. Second base comes after first base. See, a child gets that. It makes sense. And then after second base, we go down to third base. And third base is growth. And I'll say to a child, just like you're growing physically, you're getting taller, you're getting stronger, you're getting smarter. God wants you to grow spiritually. And you grow spiritually by going to church, by reading your Bible, by praying, by obeying your parents, by being kind to people. You, you, there's a lot of ways that we can grow. And I always say to a child, some people grow a little, some people get serious about God, and they really grow a lot. And then when a Christian dies, I say to the child, where do we go when we die? Heaven. We go to heaven. And that's what home plate represents. It represents heaven. Now, as you look at that today, just leave that on the screen. Don't make that illustration work harder than I'm intending for it to work. You don't ha- Again, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. You don't. 
But that is the order that God intends for it to be. And as I said at the beginning, I would not want to stand before God one day unbaptized, even though I know I would be going to heaven because I'm trusting Jesus. I would not want to have disappointed the Lord by not doing what he commanded me to do. Now, as you look at that screen right there, I want everybody here to answer this question. Where are you on that baseball field? Where are you? Some would say, John, I'm at first base. I have become a Christian. I know I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. And again, that man came forward this morning. One of the people who came forward, that was where he was. So that's first base. Second base is I've been saved and I've already been baptized. And really, after you get finished being baptized, you move on down to third base pretty quick. So you're either on first base, you're saved and you're unbaptized, or you're on third base, you're... uh, You're growing in your relationship. Now, none of us are in heaven yet. We all love where we live, but this ain't heaven. It's going to get better one day. So we're either on first base or over here on third base, or there's one other place we could be. And that is just before first base, use your imagination, there's a place called thinking about it. And a lot of times when I'm talking to a child, you know, they come see me and they say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And after I explain what you have to know to be a Christian, it's clear that they're not ready to become a Christian because they don't understand sin. And so I say to that child, listen, you're thinking about it. God's working in your heart. I affirm that child. You're doing the right thing. And soon, maybe in three months, six months or a year, you're going to be ready to move down to first base. And I give that parent and that child that piece of paper. And I say, whenever you're ready to move to first base, you tell your mother, you tell your dad to call me and We'll set up a second appointment and we'll, so the kid knows where they are. But so today, everybody here is either on first base, you've already been baptized, and you're now on third, first or third, or you're thinking about it. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. When I, when I originally started working on this sermon, what I was going to do is to put the sermon earlier in the service, have the singing time after the sermon, and at the end of the sermon say, if you've never been baptized, but you're, you know you're saved, but for whatever reason you've never been baptized, why don't you just come down to the front right now, we'll walk right up those steps, and we're going to have the baptism in this service. You don't have to live another day unbaptized. And that would not have been a bad way to have done that. Maybe one day we'll come back and do it that way. But as I was preparing this sermon, I thought, no, I'm not going to do it quite exactly like that. I'm going to just do a normal service. But I want to say clearly today, if you have never been baptized... What I would, if, if, if you know you're saved and you believe what everything I said to you today is straight out of the Bible, I'm not reading you some Baptist doctrine book. I'm teaching you out of the Bible. If you say, you know what, John, what you're saying is what the Bible says, it's what God says, it's what I need to do. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. And it won't be easy, but I'm going to encourage you to do it. I'm going to encourage you in just a moment when we stand up to sing this next song for you to just come down one of these aisles, take me, my dad, one of the other ministers, and just say, I've already been saved, but I've never been baptized, and I want to come today so that I can soon be baptized. You say, well, John, what are my parents going to think who had me baptized as a baby? Well, I don't know your parents, but I think what they would say is, you know what? If that's what you feel God leading you to do, we stand by you. We support you. I think your parents would say to you, you go with God. 
and you do what you feel God leading you to do. Now, again, I don't know your parents. I can't guarantee you that's what they would say. But I think that's what your parents would probably say. So I'm going to just ask you in a moment to just come forward. Many, there were quite a few in the first service that came forward and just say, I want to come forward. I'm maybe in a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, maybe on Easter Sunday, just whenever you can do it, I'm going to schedule my baptism. Others here today, listen carefully. You don't need to think about baptism just yet. You need to be thinking about your salvation. And you need to come forward today and say, I do want to get baptized out there somewhere. But before I get baptized, I want to make absolutely sure that I am saved. And so today, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Let me, let me say this, friend. As important as baptism is, baptism is not the main thing. Salvation is the main thing. Baptism is a picture of the main thing, but it ain't the main thing. I would just love it in this service if several came and said, I just want to make sure that I'm saved. And then finally today, others here, you've already been saved, you've already been baptized, but you don't have a church home, and you feel that God is leading you to join First Baptist Church. Did you know if you'll come to join the church today, not only would that be the right thing for you to do before God, but if you'll come today to join the church, others who need to come get saved... Others who need to come for their baptism, that's a much more difficult decision to make. When they look across the room and see you coming forward, they're going to say to themselves, you know what, if they can go, I can go. And you're going to help somebody today to get saved or maybe help somebody else to follow in their baptism. So in just a moment when we sing this next song, I'm going to just encourage you to do whatever you feel God leading you in your heart to do. So could we just stand up now, I'll voice a prayer. And then we'll sing. You say, John, when I come forward, where are y'all going to take me? I never have understood. What y'all do with these poor people? They just kind of disappear out there. We never see them again. Well, hopefully you'll see them again. We're going to take you out that door, up that hall. And on the left, there's a room called the decision room. And we'll take you in there, clarify your decision, give you some literature that you can read that will help you grow. And if you're ready to schedule your baptism for a few weeks from now or whenever, even for tonight. Last Sunday morning in the 930 service, a lady came forward. She's in her 20s. And she said, I, I never talked to this girl before. She said, I've already been saved, but I've never been baptized. And she ended up getting baptized last Sunday night. So she did it as quick as she could. You can get baptized tonight if you want to. But you can get baptized three weeks from now too. But if you'll come forward, you'll be glad you did it. Now, Father, this is a little um, hard to do. What I'm asking people to do is not easy. And I know that and you know that. And so, God, I'm asking you to give them courage today. Just courage to take that first step. And, God, we know if they'll take that first step, that you'll, you'll guide them right down this aisle. And they'll go home today happy in their soul. Like that Ethiopian, they'll go on their way rejoicing after they've been obedient to you. Give us freedom now in Jesus' name. And all the people said.